Everybody, welcome back to Squared Up with Danny Wright. You can see my beautiful face, fantastic flowing hair. What can I say? I've missed you too. So we'll wait for Dakota to come on, but I'm hoping that everything is fixed now. Like I was saying before though, Dakota is from uh, Sinclair, Missouri. He is 11-4 as a lightweight, one of the very best fighters in the world. He was 3-0 since he's been out of the UFC. Does some training down at Coconut Creek, Florida at ATT. He's been out to glory. He's made his round robins in St. Louis. There he is. Good, you there? Yeah, yeah. I can hear you yeah. How you been, man? How's your, how was Christmas and New Year's? It was good. It was good. Busy as usual, but can't yeah. complain. You seem like you've been busy. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Nah. Nah. Just same thing I do every day, you know. Just stick to the same schedule. Anything besides your fighting that you're looking forward to in 2024? Turkey hunting. <laughs> I know you are, too, man. <laughs> When's the last time you been? Uh, last, last spring, so... Woo! I think May, May 1st was the last time, May 1st or 2nd was the last turkey hunt I had. Yeah, yeah. and you, you got one, obviously. Yeah. How often do you go out and not kill a turkey? Um, you'll have a lot of days yeah. where you don't, but I had, a, I had a great year last year, like I said. It was, I was a part of, I think, thir 13 birds that were killed, so oh, that's awesome. I couldn't complain. It that's awesome. a whole, it's a whole family affair then, huh? Yes, sir. Uh, so you, well, I'm going to get right to some of this stuff. You fought four times in 2022, and then you didn't fight for just over a year. It's no fault of your own from what I read. You had close to 40 fight, fighters that you guys had approached, 10 of them being former UFC fighters. And everybody's just like, nah, we're, we're going to pass on that. So Yeah, it was, it was very frustrating, you know, uh, sitting on the bench and not due to injury or uh, anything on my end. It was, like you said, it was just nobody would sign the dotted line. Um, multiple promotions just across the country, the U.S., all of Canada, uh, even Czech Republic, places like that. It's It's been frustrating, and hopefully we're making a little headway here to get, you know, another one lined up unless, you know, short notice comes for the UFC. How have you stayed focused in, on your goals and stayed positive minds? Um, just knowing that I'm going to do everything I possibly can and check all my boxes. So let's say at the end of the day, I never got re-signed to the UFC. I knew it wouldn't be due to anything on my end. It would just be, you know, didn't happen or, or whatever the case may be. But I'm going to make sure that I turn over every single stone. So what, what do you think? It's easy to what, one of the benefits, what, do you, what is one of the benefits of being having a, a, layoff, a year layoff from fighting? Um, it made me a, a lot more hungry. I know that. Um, uh, I grew a lot. I went to Florida down at ATT and um, grew so much there, you know, so many high-level guys and um, staying with Grant Dawson, lived with him for, shit, I was down there, I think, 16 weeks last year total. Oh, so, wow. Um, I got a lot of great work in with so many yeah. high-level guys. How did that relationship with you and Grant, how did you guys click and start off? Um, you seem to be pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, we're boys. We're, we're super tight. Uh, Started up in Kansas City at Glory, and uh, me and him were just training partners, you know, every single day. Always me and him, first one's on the mat, last one's off, and just clicked, you know, same styles, same mindsets, like the same things. Some areas were complete opposite, but, um, you know, we're just easy going together. And um, once he went to Florida, he said, hey, dude, you need to come down here and check it out. Went down there, and just rest is history, you know, and me and him, I mean, you know, like, 
don't know how many fights we've been a part of together, you know, in camps and helping each other prepare. And, you know, we're just, it, it, it's hard to find the training partners that are safe, that are also high level, you know. You, you need the guys that are going to take care of you and vice versa, you know. that If I got a fight, I know he's going to be there every single day, even if he's not, you know. Yeah, no, that's what's up, man. He supports you really well, too. I can even post some stuff about you. That's awesome. What was it like to walk into the, to walk that, into ATT with you see guys like Tiago Alves, Mike Brown, the Problem Child, Chris Duncan, also Dustin Poirier? Are you ever in like all those moments, or are you just you know, like I belong here? Yeah, that's how I felt. I mean, I was walked in. It was a, it was, you know, surreal. Like seeing, like I said, all these legends that are stepping yeah. on the map with you, and you get to train next to them, and you're just like, wow when you get like the first couple sessions in under your belt, you're like, man, this place is next level. I need to be here. I, I got to chase these guys to get to that level. And uh, you also realize that the gap from you and the top isn't as big as you think. Yeah. It's just being there daily and growing with those guys. That's awesome, man. So uh, do you and Dustin have any conversations outside of him or hang out with just all in the gym? No, I hung out with Dustin a couple times. We, That's cool. We went and played like mini golf, like putt putt golf, <laughs> one time. Um, he's he's a good dude, man, it, and it's genuine. It's it's not no. for He's just a good hearted. I've man. been a fan of his since Fightville, 2011. Right. Yeah, I, I love that dude because of that. But uh, so what do you do in your off time down there? Because I mean, it, it ain't just training all the time. Is there turkeys to hunt down there? Is there gators? Um, what, what, there what do you get into? Season down there, but that's March and April. Yeah. Um, off time really does not much. I mean, you're at the gym, you wake up, eat your breakfast, go to the gym, train for a couple hours. And then, you know, you're sitting in the sauna or ice bath a couple days a week after your first session, go home, eat lunch, chill for a couple hours, go back for the evening session. What's the week like to train at ATT? Um, so there's so many classes that, uh, you it, you kind of can pick your schedule, like um, Monday mornings are wrestling with Steve Mako, which is one of the greatest heavyweight wrestlers of all time. He's the wrestling coach down there. Um, so Monday mornings are wrestling, and it's rough. It's a it's a, it's a tough practice. Just hard. It's you're drilling for an hour basically, and it's it's live drilling. Right. And then you'll get your live rounds in afterwards. And then Monday nights come back for like Muay Thai class and kickboxing, you know, getting those rounds in. Tuesday morning sparring, Tuesday night strength and conditioning. Wednesday, uh, do Mike Brown's MMA class. Uh, Wednesday night usually take off, and then Tuesday or Thursday morning sparring, Thursday night strength and conditioning. Friday mornings jujitsu. Um, Friday night is. Um, Mike, we usually do like a one-on-one -on -one with Mike, me, and Grant would once a week. And then Saturday would be sparring morning and then strength and conditioning after. So how, how many hours total do you think in a week? I'm saying close to 40. <laughs> Here's why I laugh at that. It was funny. It's because Fat Fuck would sit on his couch and be like, I'm whooping his ass. <laughs> right? <laughs> And he's not, he's not realizing that 40 hours a week, this man's putting in work. Like, he's dedicated his life to this. I always chuckle at that. That's why I like to ask fighters, 
how long, how many hours a week? Because that that's a lot to grind out, man. And that's that's what's it like being away from your family? Because I know you're a family man. You got two small kids. Congratulations to your son, by the way, and to yeah. mom and dad too. Because I know the work it and the dedication it takes all of you for him to compete to do what he did. I think he took second. Yeah. How do you deal with that? That the issues of not being seen around your or being around your family, not seeing them. That's that's the hardest part of the game, man. And um, it, it makes it a little easier, you know, when I go and stay with Grant because he's him and L are like family. You know, I've known them for years and just we're all super tight. So it's that helps a lot. But man, not seeing the kids and them crying and calling you, asking when you're going to be home. But that's just. I think of that and I'm like, man, someone's got to pay for this, you know, and I'm not going to be the one that's going to. So, and I also look at it as if um, I'm chasing a dream. How am I supposed to tell my kids to chase a dream if I don't do it myself? What, what grounds do I have to stand on if, if I never did it? I fuck with you, man. That's a great, that's, a, that's an honest answer because I, I know you a little bit. Uh, I respect that so much. When did you know, like, because, I mean, you have to know how good you are. Like, before you, like, before you go to ATT, like, when were you like, this is what I'm going to do? Was it, like, it, was it a shitty day at work at your regular 9-to-5 job or whatever? Or was it just the, the, the reward that you would see that, like, your skill set getting better and better? When, when was that moment then, that you, or did you have that moment? I, to be honest, when I started this, I knew I would, I would make it to the UFC. Um, I hoped that I was in there longer than what I was but um, I, I got in this for that reason you know and quitting my nine to five yeah that was the the realization where I'm like hey I didn't do that until after I got cut from the UFC so doing that I'm like hey if I'm gonna do this I got to do it right and ever since I did that and I focused on training solely um, my game just shot through the roof it elevated so fast just being able to be in there and work on your craft multiple times a day for six days a week, it's, it's, it's super easy to, to grow if you're in the right, right. places, you know. And I, I'm telling you this, a lot of guys in, that are in my shoes, they don't, they don't keep grinding it out. You oh, know? They're, hey, I fought in the UFC, that's good enough. Well, for me, it's not. You know, I, I know I got unfinished business and – and I will be back in there, and I'm I'm gonna bite tooth and nail until I get there. You answered a couple of questions that I didn't even ask you already, but uh, you did fight twice in the UFC. But uh, it was you, the first time you fought was a, a lot of weight. I, mean, I forget what you forty pounds, thirty five pounds, something like that. Short notice yeah, fight. Thirty one. Yeah, something crazy. Were well, you eating uh, ice cream when they got you, when they gave you the call? <laughs> and then your your second fight, you just you got caught with a liver shot or a kidney, whatever. Shit happened. Yep. You've been three and zero since then. Was was that lost? Was was getting fighting the UFC and then losing and getting kicked out or whatever? Was that that was the motivating factor? To, like, how did you get over that? How did you deal with that? I still it still burns me, man. It's still that pit in my stomach that that just drives. But man, that's the game. Like, if the guy that was supposed to win the fight every time won the fight, then why why are we fighting? You know, so that, that's why we love it and. It sucked. It was that was the hardest pill because I, I was nine and one as an amateur. I'm eleven and four as a pro now. It's twenty five fights, and that fight against uh, 
Borishev, the Russian guy who hit me at the liver, was the only time I've ever been right. finished. So that one, that's what hurt me more than anything. Is like I pride it on guys, you're not getting me out of there. And if you do it long enough, it's going to happen. And you're fighting that caliber of guys, it's going to happen. You know. One of the hardest things to do, and I think in life, period, not just in sports, but in life, is to overcome adversity, to have an obstacle put in front of us that it stopped us from going to, from our skill set or what do we have, our attributes that we have to that point. We're not going to get any further with that. Where does, where does that drive for you come from to go beyond that, to go back and retool? Because, Dakota, what you've done with, with your fighting, like, man, you have improved so much. How, where does that come from to keep going? I, man, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, there's probably just such a multitude of things that go into it. I just know that there's just that fire, man, that just in my stomach that I can feel it and just – Every day, I don't even question the days when I don't want to do something anymore, and I haven't in over a year now. Because the days, I, I'll tell you this, and you could call Grant Dawson right now and ask him this. The night of my last fight, I was telling him the whole whole time we went to the venue and stuff. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't want to fight tonight. I just, I don't feel like it. I just don't want to be here. And I don't know how many times I said it before that, and uh, that whole year leading up to that, Mike. The days you don't want to train are the days you have to train even more because there's going to be nights you show up to fight that you don't want to fight. And you got to be able to work through those emotions and, and those feelings and not wanting to do something, but your body can take care of itself and you just go on autopilot. Is there, and that's what happens. Is there a conversation you have with yourself? Is there like a, a song or a, 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 a motivational something that you put on? or like What helps you in that, in that time? I just I start thinking about everything that I've sacrificed all the time away and that how when, when I get to that part to where you're getting the most nerves I just tell myself like this isn't fair to your kids your wife everybody that has helped you get to this moment it's not fair to them for you to go out there and not get the best performance and that's all I'm focusing on now I'm trying not to worry about the the wins and losses anymore. I'm just going out there to get my best performance. And if I have my best performance, I'm going to be a hard dude to beat. You were already a really uh, skilled wrestler. You had a, a diverse arsenal of strikes, sound fundamental, and you add that with your uh, your explosive and unorthodox stand-up. How has ATT evolved that? How, is, how have they grown that? that? That's one thing they're they're really good with is they're not going to change your style. They're going to put you with coaches that kind of are, you know, you're similar to with and, and and your styles click. So I work with Tiago Alves, Mike Brown, uh, mostly, you know, Mike for the MMA side, Tiago for striking, and, um, and Coach Mako for the wrestling side of it all. And it's just the fine details, man. And, and Patrick said this for a long time. If I have a stack of notebook paper – or computer paper, whatever, and I got 1,300 sheets of paper here, but you got a stack right here, and you got 1,600 or 1,500 sheets of paper. From a distance, they're going to look about the same, but there's a lot on the sheet of paper, you know, yeah. that goes in. It's just tiny little things. You're very creative in your offense. I know we, we talked about this before, but uh, dive into that a little bit. Where does that creativity come from? Like, Where does that even, the thought come from, I want to try this stuff. 
Because uh, you're right, you're right that, the background. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. I, I think it's just the my personality too. You know, like I, I like different kind of things than most people. I like, you know, things that catch the eye that are kind of flashy with, you know, striking wise and. Um, it's just fun, you know. I, I like to do stuff that like to land. And me and Patrick say this all the time too: is if if you train anything enough and you know where to apply it, you can do anything. You can do anything in a fight if you know how to apply it and you've drilled it enough. One hundred. So there'll be little things that I just think of or jacking around shadow boxing, and I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna try this tonight. And then Patrick's like, Hey, let's drill that, and we'll drill it for the whole night. And then I'll go sparring and I'll implement it, you know. And, and I like doing those things that are like, holy shit, did that guy really just throw that in the fight? <laughs> no doubt. How's your relationship with Pat evolved? Oh, man, that's – I'm super blessed there, you know. I don't know anyone on earth that's got their father-in-law who's, you know, their coach, their best friend, you know, just we're super tight and know each other like the back of each other's hands and – um, that's, I think that's why I've grown so much and gone so far in the sport was because of him. And it, and it's not I think, it's I know it is. No, he's a good dude, but you guys do have similar uh, uh, humor. Because when I was doing those interviews at the fights and stuff, I had uh, asked him some questions, and these were some of the funniest I had. And then one time I asked you to take a picture. I said, hey, will you get this picture of us, man? And when I got my phone back and I looked at it the next day, it was a picture of you. <laughs> I, I, I always enjoy that. I love that. So you made your rounds around this area. I seen you trained out with Tom Woodson. You were out. You were out in Kansas City with Glory. You trained with uh, Lucas Clay a little bit. What's that like to to drive all over and train with all these top level guys? And obviously, you guys have to have a friendship of some sort, to, right? And a bond for that to happen. What is that? What are those experiences like? It's great, and that, that's one thing I'm super grateful for. Is you know, like going down to Wolfsden and training there. Them guys. You know, let me come in with open arms and and it's great training. You know, it's I, I've been able to come in there, have safe partners. That's the main thing I want in training. Are guys that are going to give me good rounds, but they're also safe. You know, I don't I don't want to go to a gym where there's egos and I walk in and someone's trying to knock me out because I fought in the UFC before. You know, it's it, it's once you get those guys like Sean, me and Sean, great partners. I love training with Sean, and I'm super excited for his fight coming up. And, man, it it's that bond. You, you get closer to people doing this more than anything on earth. There's nothing that will build a bond quicker than training MMA. Spending that time in a gym with somebody, no doubt, does that. I'm a huge fan of the Wolves thing, guys. They have a really good thing going. I hope to see them grow and even get, be get better as the time goes on. What's it, what's it like to uh, describe that feeling of landing the ending fight blow or submission? What's the difference between that and winning 30-27 handedly one-sided? Which is more satisfying? Um, it, it depends, honestly. I mean, I always want to get people out of there. I want the finishes. That's what that's what the UFC is looking for. That's what the fans want to see. Um, but the, there's the fights, you know, when guys are um, maybe talking shit or they try to make things personal. I, I do like one-sided, you know, just beating them up for three rounds and – um, but the feeling of knocking someone out or, you know, ending the fight, there's nothing that compares to that. That's one of the greatest feelings on earth, and that, that's that high we chase. No, that's for sure. I, I agree with that for sure. But uh, and in the UFC, everybody's looking for a stoppage rate and stuff like that. 
Well, when you dominate a guy like in your last fight, it was pretty you, – you looked fantastic. You have looked fantastic. I think, like, that speaks to the caliber of fighter that a person is, that you can't touch me. Because some guys just can't be put away. It's really difficult until age catches up with them or whatever. It's hard to put them away. So I, I always appreciate the guy who handedly whoops his opponent's ass. What's something about a fighter that the average fan wouldn't understand? Is that there's a gap, man. There's a gap between – a high-level fighter and the guy sitting at the bar watching the fights asking or saying, what the hell is he kicking him in the leg for? That don't hurt. You know, there, there's such a gap. And that that's the thing that frustrates me more than anything is, uh, you know, because I, I put so much time and sacrifice so much time away from my family and miss so many things. And I'm not complaining about that. That's my choice. But for people to excuse it and think that, oh, it's just a fight. So anyone can do it that, you know, there's a big gap that it is not, you can't just walk in and, and do this, you know, at, at a high level. Fighting is very simplistic until you get to higher level things. Because right. it's one of the most inherent things we do as, as, as a species. We wrestle and we fight from before we could ever talk. That's what we do. Animals do it. But like, I always try to tell people, imagine you, like whatever you do for your job, that guy goes and does, how, how somebody that's never done your job before or only done it once or twice going to come in and tell you how to do your job or be better than you at it. It's, it's just not going to happen. So why would you ever think that you're going to go in and whoops, like you could do that to somebody or, or you know better or you know more about fighting than he does. I always chuckle at those people. I do try to educate motherfuckers, right. but uh, they don't always get it. What is the piece of advice that you give to a younger fighter looking to make this his, uh, his dream too? It is, it is to be consistent. Consistent and being able to learn, like you have to learn how to learn in this sport. Um, no one knows everything. There's things of a ball that's going to keep rolling. You'll never catch up to it. It is you will never perfect this game, and you you have to try. And the only way you can do that is by learning. And and I think being consistent in the gym, and not being discouraged. You know, you're going to hit bumps in the road in this game. If you're doing it right, you're going to. Um, and, and th there's two ways, you know, that you can fight all the bums and build a record and make it to a big organization. Then you're going to find out there that you didn't do it the right way, or you can fight the guys, all the hard guys on the way up and, um, be ready for that high level. When you get there, you can hit the ground running. How have you seen the sport evolve just in your time in it? Cause I think I seen something the other day, 2013, you was, uh, Spire used to rank people. And I think you were on the rankings. You were three and one at the time. It was so long ago, too. 2013. How has the sport evolved in your time in it? Man, it. I think the biggest evolutions since I've been in is most mostly just the blending. You know, like the wrestling, the striking, and the grappling. It's all universal. Like it's everyone's good at everything now. Like you, you used to see. Even when I started, you would see guys that were primarily just strikers and couldn't grapple at all or stop a takedown to save their life or guys that would just wrestle and couldn't throw a punch. Now it's, man, everyone can strike and everyone can, can grapple, defend takedowns. I think the fight IQ is getting a little better all across the board, but I think the biggest thing is, is gyms are starting to train MMA. They're not breaking it up into striking class, jujitsu class, and you're still going to have that. You have to. But they're 
there's more MMA classes that are strategically, you know, coached to fight. Mixing it all together. I think the first fighter, and I know he wasn't the first one, but the first one I, re I remember doing at such a high level was Cain Velasquez, to be honest with you, a heavyweight. Like, he, he just went from kicking and punching to wrestling to wrestling to kicking. Uh, he was definitely, I still think he's the, the greatest heavyweight ever. Injuries caught up with him. But he was one of the first people that I remember really seeing put it all, put all aspects of it together. Who, who's the first fighter you remember putting all that together? Well, I think the first like true MMA fighter was probably Pat Militich. He was the first guy that could really strike, that could grapple super well, good wrestler, good jujitsu, um, could kick. And he was starting to blend things together, right. you know, punches before takedowns, kicks and punches before kicks. He I was, was seeing it a little more of a, like a, like a, I was seeing more of a, a flow though. This is kind of what I was talking about because there's like GSP could was a mixed martial artist, but I, it was choppy to me. Like he could do right. stand up and he could do he had a really great jab and he I mean he had nice kicks, but he didn't flow all of that together. Like like man, you flow like <laughs> Ben like Ben Askren has this flow wrestling. You flow MMA like you go from one thing to the. There's not a lot of like hiccups or stops and goes. That's that's the level that. You're a super high level, man. It's, it's great to see that growth and stuff out of somebody from our area and stuff, especially like St. Clair, Missouri. Right. How many people right. live in St. Clair? 4,000. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, what's the most challenging aspect of cutting weight? And how do you deal with it? Um, and I, I cut a lot. I mean, I, I feel like I'm starting to become a, a big, big 55er, you know, like. You're a big guy. My cuts are pretty rough. I don't – my last fight, I was a week before weigh-ins. Like, I was straight out a week, I was 174 pounds. So, um, it's just the preparation, man. It's the water loading and the cutting the sodium and the carbs in certain days. And I just got a nutritionist now, so that's all going to, you know, hopefully make my cuts just even that much more smooth. But it, it's just that mental fight. I, I'm not going to miss weight. And that's – I told myself that from day one. I will not miss weight, you know, and, and I haven't. And even with my debut in the UFC, 30, 31 pounds in five days, that was uh, – That's nuts. I met the devil <laughs> and shook hands with him on that one. Do you think that uh, your, some of that drive or some of that willingness to go to beyond whatever anybody else would come from your wrestling background? Because wrestlers are fucking insane. For real, you guys are nuts. I've been to a couple of wrestling practices. I was like, man, I think I'm going to go play basketball. Because uh, the, <laughs> the stuff that you're asked to do that the wrestlers do is pretty intense. Yeah, I, I think wrestling definitely is the, is the basis of mental fortitude. You know, that's the the best sport that you're going to get from a young age through high school that's going to teach that mental toughness. And, uh, but man, I've seen a lot of pusses that, that were wrestlers too, you know, it, it's just the person. And, the, and there's guys too that never wrestle a day in their life that you'll train with that are you're like, that's a dog. You, you got to kill him to get him out of there. So I think a lot of it's, you know, just upbringing for some people and, um, Who's around you, um, training-wise, what kind of coaches and influences, trainer partners, everything. And I just had the perfect mix, you know. And um, it's it's tough, but, but I, I'm built for it, man. I'm I'm just I've and I wasn't always built for it, you know. But I've 
discipline over motivation, you know. Discipline's going to win every time. What do you think is the most uh, underrated aspect of fighting? Underrated aspect. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, and I don't think it's underrated because I cherish it more than anything, but it's the people that I get to meet and build bonds and relationships with. I'm, I know so many people across the world and the country and that I'm super tight with that I could call them, probably ask them to help me bury a body, and <laughs> a lot of them would. And I wouldn't have got it without this game. And, I, man, this, this game's turned me to a man. It's, it's raised me. It's, it's done so much for me that I just, you know, I love hate with it, but I could never turn my back on it. I uh, I always tell like people that we should be thankful for what we have and the things, the opportunities we're given, and uh, the the people we get to meet and stuff like that. But don't ever stop to think that you did this. Like pat yourself right. on the back a couple of times because like you, those people they want to meet you, they want to talk to you. You're an engaging young man, dude. You you work hard. Uh, there's a there's a lot because of you has achieved that though. It's not just things weren't given to you or handed to you. You've done a lot of that. So don't ever lose sight of that either. Any pre, any weird pre-fight rituals or anything like that, or just any normal ones? What do you do before fight? Man, I, I just, just wake up in the morning, and that's the worst. Waking up fight morning, you wake up and you're like, oh, well, I guess we're gonna go uh, beat up some guy for for no reason. He did nothing wrong to me, and I gotta go beat him up. And I just laugh, have a couple laughs, and then just think, you know, the whole, whole time, I'm just thinking all day long of you know, the outcomes, what could happen, and then then I just bring it full circle back. I'm like, all right, just quit worrying about it. I'll just go out there and focus on having your best performance and it take care of itself. And the only thing, I, I make sure I check all my boxes before. I always, for the past eight years, I've been doing it. Train 100% to my best ability. When I step in the cage, I know that I'm not scared this guy and I'm not going to back down. I'm going to leave it all in there and I'm not going to quit and I'll have my best effort. Can't be upset with the results. You know, if, if you've done everything you can control and you step in there and you're not, not scared and you don't give this guy the respect of, you know, being gun shy and you just focus on that, that performance instead of the outcome and it great things will happen, you know. So that that's where my head's been at lately, and it's it's helped so much take some of the pressure off my back. There's still pressure, but um, it, it helps a lot, and it, it's just an easy checklist, you know. And that's the one one thing I would tell guys, you know, just don't put that pressure on yourself with with, with worrying about the outcomes, you know. How many hours a week do you think you spend having an inner dialogue conversation with yourself? Too much, man. <laughs> I, I'm all, I'm that guy that's always, man, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You got to do something. You got anytime I get a break, if the kids are like at school and I got a break, I'm like, I'm running, I'm going to get some cardio and I'm going to do my strength and conditioning while I'm home and shadow boxing. That's the one thing I told Patrick said, I'm going to log my shadow boxing hours this year. Cause I guarantee you, I'm, I could put up about 5,000 hours of shadow boxing a year. <laughs> so you do have a New Year's resolution. Yeah, that, that, log your shadow that would probably be the one. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm that meme where you're at the grocery store and I'm shadow boxing anywhere. I'm, that's all I think about. It's just it's part of my daily routine, it seems like. So what do you do besides hunting? 
for extracurricular activities or to, to unwind. Even like say on Thursday night after practice and you're all jacked up from practicing and you're still banged up. What, what do you do to unwind? Man, uh, the being with the family is always the best and, you know, hanging out with the kids, watching Braxton starting to get into the things I like. So I kind of like that a lot. You know, uh, I, I never wanted to force anything on him. I wanted to, him to make the choice himself if he wanted to do it or not. Like, if he didn't want to wrestle, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. You know, I, you do what you're passionate about, and I'm going to support it. I just want you to give me 100% effort. That's all I care about. And luckily, he likes turkey hunting. He likes wrestling. He likes hanging out with me and doing stuff. So that's what's cool is, is like, I'm getting these things that, that made me a man or I get to pass down to him, you know, and that they're just lifelong lessons and memories that will stick with you. He sees your enthusiasm and your love for it. So you, you didn't have to say nothing to him because he wants to be like his dad. That's good stuff, man. I'm, I'm happy for all of you. You can pick a dream matchup. Get back to, and I'm talking about today in the UFC. Who you who you looking to match up with? Me? Yeah. Ooh, man, I want Patty, bro. I want to fight Patty. <laughs> I'm That's my guy. Um, yeah. I, dude, he ain't got three rounds in his gas tank, and that's easy money. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna have to quote that later. <laughs> that's good stuff, bro. I I appreciate that. Uh what, what have you taken from your, your setbacks that you use into life and that you can and other people can learn from too? That the biggest thing is I've always had that in life. You know how it goes, man. It's you you get you start stacking some money up and then the water heater goes out. Yeah. Then you gotta pay for that and then you start stacking some money and then you get rear Branded. You got to fork some money out for that, or your car, your transmission goes out. And I, I've learned that fighting has taught me that more than anything is that I, I face adversity all the time. That I don't even bat an eye at it. Anything goes wrong, my wife gets upset with me because she's always like, "Why aren't you upset about this? Why aren't? Why does it bother you?" Like it does, but I just know that complaining and not going and fixing it is not going to do nothing. So adversity in this sport has taught me that more than anything is that life is going to throw curveballs at you no matter what. It don't matter what stage of life you're in. You're going to have issues, curveballs. You're going to run into problems. And the best way to deal with it is just to face first. Just run into that wall. Just keep going. That's, that's great advice. I may need you to come to my work and do a little seminar for some of the guys here, though. <laughs> uh who would play you in a movie? Who would play me? Yeah, a movie about uh, your life. Okay, well, what kind of movie are we doing? Are we doing like a fight movie? or Whatever movie? whatever movie you want. It's your movie. Uh, we're going to do the Dakota Bush story. That's the movie we're going to do. What's the Jacob from uh, from uh, Twilight? What's that dude's <laughs> name? <laughs> I, know you, I, don't know his, I know who he is, so I don't know his name, no. Yeah, but I don't know his name. He's about the dark hair guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could remake one movie and star in it, what movie would it be? Man, that's easy for me. That's uh, uh, Dazed and Confused. <laughs> Which character? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, that's probably the one. 
So uh, when's the next time you're going to go shooting turkey? Uh, I think Missouri, if I don't go to another state before Missouri opens, Missouri opens um, April 15th. So, but I'm, I already got a, state, a trip planned with three of my buddies. Uh, one's from Wisconsin, Wyatt Barber, which is Macy Barber's brother. Um, my buddy Jordan from South Carolina, and then my, my boy AJ from St. Clair grew up together. We're going to South Dakota uh, first week of May, and we're going for 10 days. So we'll probably bounce around from South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Wyoming, just knock out some states. And I picture you all like – camouflaged up with some stuff on your face, d diving and ducking, choking a turkey out and shit. Yeah, that's how it goes, man. <laughs> it gets pretty intense. I love it. So I, I've kind of a, I guess not, it's a personal question, but it was something I read. So I, I guess it's kind of public. Maybe it's not. You're moving? Um, We, we plan on it. We, we're planning. We're trying to get all the logistics lined out before. I think um, what's going to happen is we're going to let the kids finish the school year and then try to be down in Florida by summer sometime, May, end of May, June, somewhere like that. What's that, what's that, that feeling like, that process, uh, the, the emotions, the highs and lows? Because, I mean, your wife and kids are coming with you, but that's it? I'm, yeah. honest, I'm assuming. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. What's that? Um, it, we're super blessed in the fact that the company my wife works for, um, they want her to open a branch down there in Florida and her just run it down there. So super grateful and thankful for that. And they're already looking for storefronts and business locations for that. Um, so my wife will have a job and, you know, pretty much flexible hours and be able to do what she needs. And then as far as me, me training-wise, it's I have to be there. I, it's, I understand, you know, where, where I'm at now, and, and I'm so grateful that I get to train with, you know, guys – up at the Wolves Den with all them and Sean and Lucas training me, Garrett Wells coming down and all these guys that are so, so, you know, willing to sacrifice, you know, their time and to come train with me as well. But man, when in Florida, I just hate when I get down there and I'll close that gap on guys. Like they'll be, for instance, I went Moicano for the first time and the dude subbed me up like, six times in one round and that hasn't happened to me in a long time and it was super humbling but it was i loved it because i'm like that's the guy I'm, i gotta go with so every day i was let's get around let's get around um let's get another round if no one wants it here I'll, I'll go you got another round fifth round if not i'll go i was trying to get as many rounds as them as i could until i cut that down to you know where i'm i'm trying to get a sub on you or if not i'm not getting subbed so those are what I'm looking for, you know, the to be able to chase guys every day. Because when I get back, when I go back down there, it's not that I'm getting worse; it's that they're all growing, growing together, you know. So, but it, I, I like being down there, but I also love being here and training with all the guys here, and and you know, getting to share my knowledge as well, you know. Yeah. Your weight class is. Uh... One of the, I think, the two most skilled in the world, it's stacked, too. Like, there's so many. The, the distance from the 10th-ranked guy in the world to the 250th ain't that big. Like, right. you get the heavyweight, man, you get from 20 to 21, and it's just a huge drop-off. Right. Uh, the fact that you compete at such a high level and that you, you keep, like, you're persistent. 
I think that's the thing that I'm going to take away from this more than anything is being persistent in the, the, the pursuit of whatever goal it is that you want, no matter what's in your way. I, I wholeheartedly appreciate that, dude. Uh, I appreciate the shit out of you, man, for sitting down with me, talking to me, rapping with me, dude. Always, I, I, I enjoy you. You're a good person, man. You're a good dude. Uh, so, oh, the MMA Junkies did this badass fucking article. Yeah. And you were the third one mentioned in that. How does that make you feel? Um, I'm glad. I'm glad because it keeps the eyes on me. It, it's, I, I know that my name's in the hat. It's just going to be a matter of the right matchup, timing, everything. So I'm just I'm just staying ready, you know. I train every six days a week. I'm I'm ready to grind. I'm ready to be there again. And man, it, it's such a long process to get to there again, building this back up. But I I just know it's it's right there. It's I'm right on the. Cusp. Who's who's putting something in their ear? Do you have somebody like your management team or who? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, with Iridium. So they're always in chat with them on. Any short notice fights that are popping up, they're, hey, this guy, we got Dakota, you know, and a lot of times the fighter will get the choice as well. Like, so they'll be like, hey, we got these three guys. Who do you want to fight? And I've had that a couple times, you know, the, like last summer, they called me on a Thursday. I was in Florida. They called me on Thursday around 10 a.m. They said, can you make weight tomorrow to fight Jim Miller? And I said, no, I cannot make 55 tomorrow, but I can make 70 and ask him if he'll fight me at 70. And they end up signing a 45er to fight him. Um, and then the week Grant fought uh, Bobby Green, I was in Vegas with Grant. The following week was Terrence McKinney, and we tried getting that one, and they ended up going with uh, another guy that was a 45er that couldn't make the way. But I was ready for that one. I was ready to snatch his little neck. <laughs> you have to appreciate some of that, though, because they're avoiding you for a reason. Like, you're not – it's not just the weight either. Like, we're not picking this guy because we, we stand a higher chance to lose against him. You have to, you have to like, appreciate that and understand that. Uh, so what is next if the, if the UFC doesn't call in the next two months? I mean, just stay grinding, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get a fight booked here. Hopefully, in the next couple months on a regionals show. Um, hopefully, you know that's that's the problem we're running into. A lot of guys, you know, don't want to take it and um, just had that headache for a year, and it, we're kind of running into it again. We're getting a little more, you know, guys that are willing to take it. Um, but like I said, I, I'm just going to keep training, keep my head down, and then get something on the books and then have something to train for. And then I have to go beat another person up and just keep racking up the wins. They, they can't keep me out forever. It's going to – something will break. The nonchalant way you say, I got to go beat somebody up again. Just It's Tuesday. Right. <laughs> hey, man. Once again, dude, I appreciate your time. Any shout-outs you want to give out to anybody, any sponsors or anything like that? Yeah. Um, you know, all my training partners – that are across the world, uh, everyone down in Florida, Grant, everyone at the Wolves Den, Sean, good luck to you in a couple weeks. Um, who else? Patrick, always. It's my day one. Um, and the last thing I'll leave you with is, Grant says this all the time, and it's my favorite, favorite quote. Everybody suffers, but if you, if you don't have a purpose, you, surface, you suffer for no reason. So everyone suffers, but if you don't have a purpose, you're going to suffer for nothing. And that, that's I our favorite.
you know, I can appreciate that. And we'll, hey, we'll end up on that, brother. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming, talking to me, sitting down with me again, dude. Hey, th thanks for representing the Midwest the way you do. Uh, you're a great appreciate person, it, great man. fighter. You're a great man, dude. I don't think people understand that. Uh, they, they see a fighter and they're just like, oh, barbarian or barbaric or, right. or an athlete, even just an athlete. You're not just some athlete. You're a good dude, man, a great family man. And, hey, I wish you nothing but the best. God bless, brother. Thanks, Danny. Yes, sir.